0: Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing, I'm Peter Switzer, thanks for joining me. And on tonight's show we work out how worried we should be about the stock market sell-off we're seeing right now. The NASDAQ is down over 23%, the S&P 500 is down over 14%, but the Aussie market is only down a little bit compared to those particular stocks. Very interesting to see how worried we should be and whether this is a buying opportunity. And I run these sorts of questions by Julia Lee of Boomin Invest to see if she's worried, and if not, what stocks is she keen to buy, the safe ones and maybe the more risky ones. I then asked June Bailey of Tribeca Alpha Plus to do exactly the same thing. How worried is she? What's the safe play? What's the more risky play? That might bring bigger returns in the future, but you might just have to wait for them to come. Um, to fruition. Then I talk to the managing director of Xero. This is a company a lot of my experts like. They put out a a report on small business. And remember, small business is really, really important to the success of this company. And I try to work out whether our faith in Xero as a really good buy is really worth um, keeping. And I think you might... Be impressed with what Joseph Lyons has to say. And then finally, Paul Ricard of The Switch Report looks at the sectors that have done well in recent times and the ones that have struggled as a clue to what might be the sectors we should be looking at right now for the future. That's the show. Let's kick off now with Julia Lee of Birmingham Invest. Thanks for joining us, Julia.
1: Great to be here, Pete.
0: Okay, there are a lot of people up there a little bit toe about the stock market right now. I guess if you'd gone really long on the NASDAQ, you're really out of the money, down about 23%. Our market's done pretty well compared, we're we're kind of flattish um, compared to the US markets. But how worried are you about what you're seeing happening in the stock market now? Or do you see it as a potential buying opportunity?
1: I think when I look at buying in the share market, I like to look at things through cycles. And when we have a look at the economic cycle, you go through phases of recovery, then expansion, and then you have a look at a slowdown, and then a downturn before going back into that recovery phase. So I guess investors at the moment are probably hearing terms like late cycle quite a bit. And that's as the economy starts to slow down. And that's the fear at the moment that we are now going into a slowdown. Not so much a downturn yet, that's probably still ahead of us. So investors are starting to tailor their portfolios uh, late cycle. I guess the question is um, in terms of timing, how long you're looking at uh, in terms of uh, your investment um, on what you do with uh, your investments at this part of the cycle. Generally for more active investors, the timeframes tend to get shorter and shorter. They're willing to take less longer-term risks and they they need to see sort of a payday shorter term and that's really why a lot of the tech stocks that are, are being hit very hard Our tech stocks are being hit hard not only because of fears around increasing interest rates but also fears that we have seen uh, the best growth already in the past and now we're starting to see slowing growth and an environment where growth is much more difficult to come by and we've certainly seen that in big mega US stocks, which have driven so much of the return on the US stock market over the last few years. So we've seen some pretty bad share reactions over the past week in stocks like Netflix, as well as Amazon, Robinhood, just to name a few of those stocks. For investors who are interested in what tends to perform well late cycle and through an inflationary environment, the good news for Australian investors is is that the Australian market tends to outperform the US And that's really because of our commodity-based exposure. So I'm still very much overweight in terms of materials. I'd be very underweight or zero weight in things like tech, unless I was looking at just a short-term bounce Um, And things with higher multiple healthcare doesn't tend to perform well a late cycle because it does tend to have higher valuations than the rest of the market as well.
0: Okay, so give us an idea of what you think might be a safe play for someone who may well be wanting to benefit from the fact that there has been a a lot of market overreaction to some stocks?
1: Yeah, so it depends on whether you're in the market for the short term or the long term. And short term, we're probably likely to see a relief rally in those areas that have been Hit hardest areas like the tech sector, as well as the property space and healthcare. However, if you're looking at the medium to long term, it's still likely to be a tough space to be in in 2022. I guess for investors, the question is when do we start to see a turning of the cycle again? The market's already priced in a number of interest rate hikes. And I guess the good news is that the peak interest rate for this cycle is not going to be anywhere near what we've seen in terms of the peak for past cycles. I think the last cycle, you know, interest rates started at 3% and then peaked at 4.75%. Interest rates are going to get nowhere near 4.75% as the official rates here in Australia. The market's pricing in that they'll probably peak at 1.5% sometime next year. And then we'll start to see interest rates coming back down again so i think it's important to look at the the shape of what's expected over the next 12 to 18 months Um, and for investors just to have a think about you know whether they have the risk appetite for the type of volatility that we're seeing over the next 12 months and don't forget that the market prices in the future so even before recovery occurs the market's usually already turned Um, and focus very much on future earnings so just being aware that this cycle is probably going to be a bit shorter in terms of where and how interest rates peak
0: okay so name names give us some give us some names
1: (laughs) sure um we saw a really good update from Qantas I mean Pete you know I've liked Qantas as a recovery story but the great news is that the recovery is not only on track but it's actually better than expected, especially in the area of domestic as well as the corporate market. And that means that stocks like corporate travel are probably doing very well as well. If you have a look at some of the global travel surveys, we know that travel is doing very well in the US as well as Europe. In Australia and New Zealand, it's probably back to around about 80% of the levels it was previously. So there's still a bit more to come. And the reason why Qantas is doing so well is that. it it predicts that in the fourth quarter capacity, um, which it was predicting would be at 90 to 100%, is going to be at 105%. So Mm. it looks like things are not only going to plan, but better than plan. And that bodes well for the travel stocks um, and travel stocks like corporate travel as well. I think some of the New Zealand uh, travel stocks are are worth a look as well. We've already seen, Auckland Airport's coming under a lot of pressure as well as Air New Zealand. So if you're willing to take a little bit more risk, they're probably behind us in terms of opening up and freedom and in terms of travel. Mm. Um, but if you want to get in earlier in on that travel story, certainly travel around the globe is hitting up.
0: OK, is it too late to... For those people who haven't got any BHP, BHP has sold off recently. You've kind of talked up the, the potential for sort of stocks you've liked uh, BHP does it have more upside can it crawl back into the 50s do you think
1: Yeah, um, I still very much like BHP, it's probably the top holding in our portfolio at the moment. China's come out to say that they're going to speed up infrastructure spending and I know there's been a lot of concern around China and the zero COVID policy, what that means for growth from China this year. But we also know that after lockdown, things tend to normalize very quickly as well. So, um, you know, the conditions in China won't last forever, even though they feel like uh, they are at the moment and we've already started to see recovery in iron ore prices so today in asia iron ore prices were up over four percent and today in a market that was pretty hard to deal with vhp um, shares finished almost flat so it does look like there's some life coming back to steel making and iron ore over in china in its key INR, uh, key, key steelmaking hub, we've seen some of the restrictions being lifted as well. And don't forget that in an inflationary environment, commodities do tend to outperform. So just in terms of global asset allocation, you would expect markets like Australia and the Canadian share markets to outperform, and some of the higher growth markets like Japan, Korea, the US to underperform. So I guess Australian investors are in a relatively good place at the moment. Um, because of the
0: commodity space exposure of our Okay. Obviously, not every stock in your portfolio uh, is weighted to the same extent as you might, for example, BHP. You, you've got your highest weighting. Which, what what lower-weighted stock that you, do you think actually has enormous potential to rebound big time but you don't necessarily think it's going to happen either soon. But you took a bit of a took a bit of a, a punt on that particular stock.
1: Well, you you know because I came onto the program earlier on in the year and said I took a nibble at zero. It is the smallest position in our portfolio, but it's been pretty horrific given the tech sell-off that we've seen. So we're down around about ten percent in terms of that position. Um, but um, luckily, it's the smallest position, so. Um, I guess uh the lesson there is just waiting for a stock to rebound before getting in and uh, not catching that that falling knife having said that you know zero has uh, lots of recurring revenue i still very much like the business model um and look a lot of the tech stocks are very much in the same boat where they've all been sold off i mean Mm -hmm. even computer shares selling off at the moment and that stock should that company should do pretty well in a rising interest rate environment so I do feel like investors are just bailing out of the tech space, no matter what the fundamentals. Um, and that's been hit hard. The other one is that's come under a bit of pressure recently is Goodman Group. It's still in an upgrade cycle, but concerns around those uh, rising interest rates are certainly hitting uh, property valuations now on the market as well. So just watching that one here.
0: Okay, you. You'd be happy to know I interview Joseph Lyons, the MD of Zero, on the program tonight. So you might, uh, Check that one out. And yeah. And I, I must admit, I was happy with what he said because I'm a whole, whole zero as well.
1: Very good. That's All reassuring. Right. I'll have to listen in on the
0: interview. Okay, Julia. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks, Pete.
0: That's Julia Lee, Bowman Invest. <laughs> Well, joining me now is Junbei Liu of Tribeca Alpha Plus. Great to see you, Junbei.
2: Great to see you, Peter. How are you doing?
0: Very good. Very good. But, you know, like a lot of uh, investors, people are a little bit worried about what's going on in the market right now. How would you explain the, the volatility and negativity we're seeing right now?
2: Look, it's, uh, it's incredible, isn't it? So uh, the volatility is mainly because the market is adjusting to uh, the higher interest rate expectations. Now that's important because it makes the money more expensive uh, and also it makes uh, some of the uh, uh, growth companies look more expensive than um, you know what it was in the previous life. So um, markets going through that transition um, and it is creating a bit of volatility. At the same time, um, many of us didn't quite expect how quickly um, the interest rate is increasing. You know, we all know interest rate will get higher. Um, but it, at the moment, because of the inflation, um, you know, near term inflation outlook, the interest rate seems to be going higher very, very quickly. So market just sort of going through that trend, that adjustment. Um, and that's about it. And from time to time, you have the fear of recession and things. But that is way, um, you know, way too bearish for, for our markets.
0: Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is, and like, I know you're smart. You've been doing this a long time. and Hopefully. <laughs> we know that there's... Interest rates have increased in the professional market, but central banks really haven't increased interest rates too much yet, but we expect them to do, to do so. Now, but on the other hand, the latest curveball is, well, they're talking recession in the US, which you and I might not believe will happen, but there are plenty of people out there are telling us there could be a recession. Now, if that's the case, shouldn't we be lowering our expectations of how many interest rate rises might actually happen over the next year or so?
2: Look, it's, it, you're absolutely right. The uh, market seems to be oscillating between too much inflation, which means the economy is running super hot, um, yeah. to too much, uh, to, well, uh, to to uh, is potentially going to recession with too yeah. much interest rate hike, so it keeps oscillating between one and another. Um, I, you're absolutely right. It's way too premature to talk about recession at this point, um, because U.S. economy inflation is running high single digits, you know, and it's a broad based um, price pressure, uh, and the wage growth has been highest ever. Um, you know, we're getting a lot of really strong economic data. That's why Fed is putting up interest rate. Mm. Um, so you know, let's not go ahead of ourselves. And of course, there's expectations of them putting up interest rate too much, then what does that mean? But all that is, is uh, just saying that interest rate needs to go higher quickly. But uh, what happens afterwards, whether we will have a recession, depends on, you know, how uh, inflation responds. When it does come off, then the central bank's not going to increase the interest rate as much as currently is indicating.
0: Okay. Sometimes we get accused, you and me, of being a little too positive. Um, And so, (laughs) but I don't care. Being positive works, eight, seven or eight years out of ten, being positive works. But let's just say this uh, in three months' time, the Ukraine war has been settled. Some sort of agreement happens. Let's just imagine, I don't know, it might be six months, but let's say three months. And in that time, um, um, let's say China is totally out of lockdown again, producing stuff, reducing, and Potentially, the inflation effects from lockdown is dissipating. The energy prices are now not as high because the Ukraine war is over. That could set the scene for a, a, a nice comeback of the stock market, surely.
2: Oh, absolutely. Stock market, even at the current situation, doesn't look too bad. So we have a bit of volatility. You should see the pickup in the next few weeks or so. Um, look at the share market condition. Uh, yes, interest rate going higher, but we have yet to see all that consecutive rate increase yet. It's just volatility, just market trying to price it in. Um, and then uh, the US, as we said, US economy doing fine, Australia economy doing fine, China in full lockdown, uh, but that stimulus is coming through. So fundamental looks strong. So for share market, actually, it still looks pretty. Pretty good for uh, sort of late stage bull market. Now, the, this what's interesting though at this point is the near term a lot of growth company being sold off. This is when people talk to, you, oh, we're positive on that. You know, if you actually look at growth company uh, as overall, they tend to look, you know, they underperform. You know, Nasdaq down a lot. But if you actually stripped out the most expensive growth company, the you know, the cash burning growth company, they have underperformed significantly. And over the last many um, uh, interest rate increase cycles, these are the company that underperform, but the actual underlying stronger, high quality uh, structural growth leaders that generate cash and, you know, have proper business models, they actually do really well and very defensive. So this is actually an environment where, you know, investors, most of the investors sold off all the growth companies. Um, and you can actually pick up the ones that will, um, that actually have proper, um, you know, earnings and outlook, things like, healthcare, um, and they will proven to be very, very defensive in the next little, uh, little phase and will do very, very well.
0: Okay. So why don't we talk about uh, some companies that you think are safe buys during, you kind of imply it's a buying opportunity for certain companies. What do you think would be companies that would be a safe buy right now?
2: Absolutely. So, if you look at healthcare, that sector is uh, uh, present many opportunities. Um, CSL is the number one opportunity at this point. Um, share price lags, but has performed better than some of the tech company clearly. Um, and um, and then the company is going through a uh, continue uh, sort of earnings upgrade cycle in the next year or two because its earnings was hurt by the. Uh, by the COVID uh, disruptions, the blood collection, and all of that, so that earning is expected to be upgraded, um, and uh, and it is on the multiple that is cheaper than what it normally trades on. Uh, look, I think you know once the market washes through uh, the next few months, you know about the high interest rate expectations adjustment, this company will outperform. It will lead the way, and it is a large cap, um, and uh, with you know much lower risk compared to some of the speculative businesses. Um, so that one, in my view, is it, going to do very well.
0: Okay. Let's go into the thrill-seeking space. Obviously, that's the tech space or the payment space. Is there a company out there that might be worth nibbling along, uh, uh, but on the basis that you might have to wait a year for it to materialise? And I know when I, I listen and read um, Kathy Wood of um, ARC Innovation Fund, <laughs> A lot of the companies that are being smashed right now, she really believes are great companies if you take a five-year view and all that sort of stuff. A company like Zoom, which we're using right now, I suspect it's going to be a good company in the future, despite the fact it's been smashed in recent times. Is there a local company or two that fit that bill?
2: Yeah, look, absolutely. If you look at the tech sector, um, I tend to have a a bias towards quality at this stage of the cycle. As we talk to, you know, they're very defensive and uh, uh, in the next three to six months, you should see them started being uh, bid up again because they offer their structural growth um, characteristics. Uh, Things like um, 0 that's been sold off, uh, that's been, you know, uh, incredibly weak. Um, uh, Although if you look at all indicators about SME ads and conditions, the things are doing pretty well for them. Results coming up and, you know this is one that we think um, will do well um, and other defensive names um, look that that's been sold off uh, things like uh, seek which um, should have very very strong link to our economy uh, employment numbers look really strong so the job seeking numbers look really really strong um, and, um, and and then it's, it's cheaper than it's ever been um, and there's quite a lot of names sitting in those tech space that you should look at um, the likes of LTM is looking interesting businesses that with um, um, you know proven Business model, um, and um, you know they—they they obviously a little bit high risk, but I think hmm. if you stick with the ones, the leaders that generate cash flow have proper um, addressable market. Um, you know, you—they—they uh, they will do quite well um, in okay. the next follow- coming six months.
0: Okay, you—you'd be interested to know that uh, coming up after you is the managing director of Zero, and uh, after listening to but him, he, a lot of people will probably agree with you as well. Thanks for joining the program, Jim Luke. Thank you very much. Joining me now is the MD of Zero, Joseph Lyons. Thanks for coming to the program, Joseph.
3: Thank you, Peter. Great to meet you.
0: Yeah, same here, mate. You guys have put out a special report with a very interesting title where Opportunity Lies, Australia's New Small Business Boom. Tell us about... What this small business boom is about?
3: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the question. I mean, our report uh, does cover what we're seeing as an emerging trend in small business creation, and I think what it does is it really reflects on the last couple of years, um, but also the industries and regions that we're seeing the largest growth in. Um, and there certainly is a new small business boom that we have seen. Um, and then the report also shares some of the projections around the contribution that we see that small business will make to the economy over the next decade. Mm. Um, And then also we unpack what is the kind of changing profile of the new entrepreneur here in Australia.
0: Mm. Well, yeah, I've recently done a number of um, television um, special webinars for for Optus. And I, I met a whole lot of new small businesses and some of them have actually come out of the coronavirus lockdown. So effectively, they were at home locked down and they've come up with fantastic business ideas, use things like TikTok to get extraordinary exposure. I guess that's part of the boom that you're talking about.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's certainly encouraging to see that many new small businesses that have started up through the pandemic absolutely have technology at their core. Yeah. And we know how important it is uh, you know, having technology adoption, because it does mean that this next generation of entrepreneurs are setting themselves up right from the start.
0: Yeah. So obviously, the revelations is in this report, and I'll ask you later how people can access the report. But the news is good for a company like yours, because ultimately, Zero caters to um, small businesses of all sizes. But I think your sweet spot in the in the good in the your early days was fantastically easy to understand for a startup.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's continued to be a, a core foundation of our business that we want to create beautiful software that's intuitive and easy to use, and for the small businesses to be able to use our platform on the go as well. And you know that remains true now, um, even all these years after that we uh, we started up. Yeah.
0: So looking at the report, what kind of growth are you expecting? As you, you referred to that earlier. What kind of growth are you expecting for the total number of uh, small businesses out there?
3: So it's pretty exciting because the contribution um, that we're projecting to see is the growth over the next decade in the small business um, community is that there will be an additional three and a half million new small businesses that, that will be direct registered by the time we get to 2031. And we're anticipating that these small businesses are going to contribute an additional $60 billion a year to our nation's economy, mm. along with an additional 1 million jobs. Um, so there's some pretty uh, big figures there, um, but very encouraging for for this sector of the community.
0: Okay. At this point in time, what percentage of small business, and there may well be a rough figure, but what percentage of small businesses is zero actually uh, got on board as
3: clients? So here in Australia, um, yeah. you know, we are well north of a million customers and subscribers now. Um, it depends on what you're looking at as the addressable market, um, yeah. you know, but we are a sizable percentage um, of the current small business community. But obviously, with this growth, we're we're expecting to see further growth for our platform as well.
0: Yeah, a, a rough figure I have in my head is a, there's about 2 million SMEs. Uh, it may well be a bit bigger but so you must be getting close to one in two small business operators are probably using your, your stuff.
3: Yeah, I mean, and again, it d- depends on the, the, the size um, that you're looking at. But um, yeah, around that figure is what you can expect.
0: So therefore, if, if we're anticipating from your numbers, another 3 million small business operators, that, that kind of implies that the potential growth for zero is quite substantial as well.
3: Yeah, indeed. I mean, we uh, continue to back the investment that we're putting into our platform so that we make it a compelling proposition, not just for our existing customers, but also for new ones.
0: Mm. What, what are the greatest barriers for you in getting true to SMEs about the value of working with you guys?
3: Sorry, I play that question back.
0: Well, you know, what I'm saying is that ultimately... Um, the SMEs who have jumped on board with zero uh, have recognized you know, your competitive edge in a sense. What, what are the, the, the difficulties in getting that message out to the, the SMEs who aren't using your product?
3: Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a good question. We uh, are very fortunate to have a very strong connection to the accounting and bookkeeping industry across the country as well. Um, our, our partner community has been a core foundation of Xero from, from the outset. You know We continue to remain very focused on supporting the needs of, of our accounts and bookkeepers. And certainly we've enjoyed the adoption of many you know, new early adopters to Xero. And, and now you know, we're continuing to work with the entire industry to share with them the benefits of cloud accounting and cloud technology. Um, equally, we're continuing to invest in our brand so that we can continue to build awareness of zero uh, in the small business community directly as well. Um, so you know we're just continuing to build our investment not only in our partner channel and our partner community but ensuring that small businesses have an understanding and awareness of the benefits of cloud.
0: Okay. So, so a lot of people presume that zero is simply a, a bookkeeping service, but it's more than that. Do you think the market fully understands the, the comprehensive
3: other sort of bolt-on services that you guys provide? There's certainly uh, work to be done there. And um, as you're aware, like one of the real benefits of Xero is that we are an open platform. We have over a thousand apps that can plug into Xero in our ecosystem and addressing a a range of different um, challenges, inventory, point of sale, CRM, um, et cetera. So we have a thriving ecosystem of app partners also that we work with very closely to address pain points of specific industry verticals.
0: Hmm. Looking at your report, uh, is is the growth primarily coming from tech related businesses or is there there other sectors that are showing a a, a real low growth? If I'd asked this question 10 years ago, you might've talked about tourism and education uh, businesses likely to grow pretty strongly over that period of time, but are there other sectors that are showing potential?
3: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we anticipate that construction is actually going to be the fastest growing industry. We're expecting over 600, 624,000 to be precise, um, you know, new small business customers over the next ten years. Professional services also playing a really significant um, part in the growth as well, with almost half a million new businesses starting up, and then transport, um, just over four hundred thousand as well. So. It's not just technology businesses, it's across all industries. Yeah.
0: As as I listen to you, and I I know as an employer myself of um, quite a lot of uh, employees, I know a lot of uh, people want to work from home, uh, and a lot of people are deciding to work from home and set up small businesses in their own right. Is that trend a a beneficial trend for Zero as a supplier of those kinds of services that would cater? To a, a new small business,
3: yeah, I think I think it has certainly been a benefit in that our platform is a cloud-based platform, which means that you can access your financial data from any device anywhere. You don't need to be wedded to a desk or an office like um, you know incumbent or legacy desktop software. Yeah. Um, so it certainly has been a, a tailwind or or a benefit in ensuring that businesses can maintain their continuity by being in a cloud-based product like Zero.
0: Okay. Now, Joseph, most of my questions have been around, you know, your observations around small business. Um, I've got one other question, which I, I want to save it for, for uh, the end of the interview. But is there any other important observations from this report that people should be aware of?
3: Yeah, I think the, I mean, we touched on it a bit earlier, but just the, Sort of the new profile of small business owners that we're seeing, and and those that are being brave and taking the leap to starting something new. So, what we see now is that, um, you know, small business owners are increasingly younger. So, we now are seeing that 45% of new small business owners are under the age of 35. Over a third of them are far more culturally diverse and having been born overseas. And um, importantly, we now have over a third of entrepreneurs being uh, women and fem- uh, women that are starting up their business as well, which is fantastic to see. In fact, we've actually seen a forty percent increase in new business new businesses owned by females, which is just wonderful Absolutely. for the diversity across our community.
0: Yeah, um, what, one I mean, this is the question now. I, I want to throw at you: um, we have a financial services business and our clients are in zero when I'm asked on my TV program, you know, what company do I, do I like? Particularly tech company I always say zero. And I feel as though the market is not really anticipating the potential growth of the company. I know you you can't comment on the share price, but do you think that the market assessment of your company where it's going is probably underestimating your potential?
3: I think we're pretty confident in the Firstly, that just the purpose and the direction of our, our business, you know, yes, we, we started in New Zealand and have had a great growth story in New Zealand and Australia, but equally, we now are expanding our operations across the world, you know, into North America and Canada and the UK and up through Asia. So I think we are excited about, you know, the the product that we've got and the value that it brings um, beyond just the shores of Australia and New Zealand, um, and I think equally, you know, we've got a wonderful team that work with us and a, a vibrant uh, culture and community. So uh, I think we've got um, all the ingredients for continued success. Okay, well, the, the
0: link question, going back to where we started from then, given the fact that you are expanding in, in other countries, I presume you would expect the same kind of small business growth that we're seeing here coming out of things like the lockdown coming out of all the tech opportunities nowadays, that, I guess, provides opportunities for zero to grow in those those foreign markets.
3: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we don't have a report with the same set of data to share with you for other markets, but yeah. I think you can expect to see, you know, a similar trend and pattern following, uh, you know, in, in markets like North America.
0: Yeah, because ultimately, the idea of the Great Resignation came started in America, but we are seeing it here in Australia, despite the fact we employers hope we wouldn't.
3: Yeah, indeed.
0: Joseph, thanks for joining us on the program.
3: Good luck. Pleasure. Thanks, Peter.
0: I'm catching up with my colleague, Paul Ricard, from the Switzer Report. and I have a great belief that if you look at where a stock market has been coming from, strong sectors, it can sometimes give you a clue on what might happen in the future and ultimately that's what we're here about, we're trying to work out what are good investments for the future. And Paul is a close analyst of these sorts of sectors, so let's just see what's been going on in the market and all.
4: yeah i wanted to just go through the highlights let's look at the first four months of the year this is still friday peter but even after today the 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 basic numbers are still there so the market's flat okay after today it's down about 1.2 percent but with dividends you know it was up very marginally at the end of april now basically flat so that's not bad given
0: what's happened in the us that's right nasdaq's down like 23 percent s p 500 down 14 percent so our market's really been strong this year.
4: Yeah, and the highlight of this, of this chart, perhaps, Peter, is that what we're seeing is really the drivers coming out of the, the major stocks. So it's the top 20. It's really the banks, mm. the resource companies, plus Woodside, uh, plus Macquarie. They're, what, they're the stocks that are adding to the market performance. Mm. And it's sort of the, you know, some of the other sectors which is dragging it. But the top 20 up, the small caps and mid caps are both down year-to-date. So that's mm. an important thing to note. Let's look at the sectors, and these are the, the 11 Uh, ASX industry sectors, both the month of April, Mm. but also for the four months ending uh, ending the 29th of April. The positives in green, you can see that's resources, so energy, no surprises there. that's your Woodside, your Mm. Santos, Uh, we can't be surprised given what's happened to the price of oil post post the uh, outbreak of of war in Ukraine. Plus materials, that's probably the really big number, and that's your BHP's, your Fortis Hughes and your Rio's. also, some of the second-tier minerals, the South 32s, probably a bit of impact of uh, some positives and some of the, you know, the lithiums and so yeah, forth. Not, and rare earth liners. Yeah, gold's probably not a, not a huge contributor, which is, uh, might surprise some people. But, uh, it's time it's, might lie ahead. It's, it's my time. And also, you've got companies in there. It's not just um, our resources. We've got things like building materials, so companies like Amcor... Aurora, Borel, mm. uh, AMPCOs are positive, the other two are probably negative. So yeah. that's that's the second sector. And then I guess the third one, let's not talk about utilities, that's too small, but that's just power prices. Mm. But let's look at the negatives. Mm. And there are all the high-growth sectors, which, again, won't come as a surprise. First of all, the IT sector off 22.7%. Yeah, that's the tech stocks. And course. they're a lot worse than that. There are some tech companies down 70%, 80%. There are positives, though. A company like Computer ComputerShare, uh, which is all classified as part of that sector, that's mm. actually up year-to-date. So there are. it's not totally every tech company or every company but in that most. sector, but <laughs> most. Uh, and the other sectors that are negative are again healthcare, which in Australia is not really a defensive sector. We see that more as a growth sector. And then, mm. of course, is perhaps just again a question of multiples and consumer discretionary, where you've got some uh, some high flyers in that sector that have also been sort of hit. So uh, mm. it's 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 a. Impact of higher interest rates on the one hand, pushing up materials, uh, on the one hand helping the financials, which is a positive, the biggest sector up 4.6%. On the negative side, you've got, um, you know, IT, um, Mm. consumer discretionary and healthcare.
0: Let's try to make some sense of this, Paul, and I'm I'm doing it from a point of view of what might be the sectors that do well in the future. Now, I think it's totally understandable that consumer discretionary should go off the board because we know harvey norman jb hi-fi they killed them during the Mm -hmm. lockdown period we're out now so people are starting to look for services and people are desperate to go overseas and things like that where would the travel companies be in that group well
4: some of those are well Qantas is industrials which yeah. is a bit, always a bit strange but some, the, some of those the, uh, the ones you mentioned like the flight centres the web jets they're actually in consumer discretionary yeah, so, that's right so you get a bit mixed up there's, there's sector that
0: that's the part that could actually help discretionary going forward yeah
4: the other thing that's helped, that's going against consumer discretionary you've got the you know all the Casinos have largely been in trouble, you know, Crown, <laughs> Star, and, Star and yeah. uh, Aristocrat Leisure is probably the biggest one there, which mm. uh, had a takeover of, of a co- company in the uh, in, uh, in Europe, and mm. of course that fell through, that was the Playtech. Mm. Uh, that's come down a long way. So there were some pretty expensive, pretty big, multiple companies uh, mm. that have come back, uh, and that's why that, that sector. Yeah. So I think if you, you say, well, so what? This is history, does history repeat itself? Uh, I still think we're in the market, which th- is going to be led by financials and resources. Yeah, me too. And well, because they're the biggest sectors, Peter. When institutions are having to put money into those sectors, they're not buying anything else, and yeah. that's really the that's really why it's really hard for sectors like in the short term, uh, IT and some of the neglected sectors, really mm. to make much of an end. Yeah. So it seems
0: to me then, Paul, that like those ones, like uh, energy resources and financials, they have upside, but they probably don't have massive upside because they've already been for big runs. To me, the, the sector worth having a go at, because it's made of a lot of solid companies, the healthcare sector. Yep. You know, yep. And the CSL is a classic case that I, I like in that group. But if, you, if you're a thrower seeker, you're going to you go looking at, at tech companies, but you may well have to wait a year or more before you really feel satisfied that was a, a sensible investment. I, I
4: think tech companies have got a lot of work in front of them, Pete. There's no, there's some super bargains out there, mm. but you're going to have to be really patient, and uh, you know you got to, it's it's you know be fearful when others are greedy, whatever. Yeah. Was that, That's whatever right. The buffet phrases, is, yeah. right? Um, and you're going to have to be the reverse of that, right? You're going to have to be really greedy. Mm. And you're going to have to do a lot of pain, I suspect. Yeah, right? I,
0: I guess the interesting thing, Paul, is at least you can get some of these companies that once upon a time are going fantastically at very low prices. But it's going to be a waiting game.
4: Yeah, and I, I think, look, the healthcare of those sectors that are in the red on the mm. right-hand side, that, we know that there is always reversion, right? Mm. We also know that there's rotation, right? Mm. Yeah and uh, two hours reversion it, and rotation yeah and it's, it's it's rare that the best sector one year is the best sector the following year and vice versa in fact it was the best sector in 2019 and 2020 yeah right and it's been was you know got the wrath late last year yeah. and it's the worst sector this year right that's what yeah. happens healthcare uh, has been a great sector for a decade You yeah, know, it's been a bit tough the last year and a half since since really COVID came and we, we got the vaccination. It's sort of mm-hmm. been once you had that sort of boom. So, um, you know, I think healthcare is probably the one I like to look at simply because the, the, the demographic and some of the, the tailwinds are still there. Mm. But again, the market is still sort of seeing as high growth and so that's being a bit negative. So mm. that's probably the one that stands out for me. Uh, but I, I don't... One I don't like there is real estate. Peter. <laughs> no, and I don't, real estate. I don't know why that's not doing worse. But yeah, um, no. and I, I think all I look at all everything around that in terms of higher interest rates which should be a negative. I look at what's going on in, in CBD Office offices. Space. Yeah. I just can't I know we had a, an enormous but a lot of money came into it because and cap rates rates or capitalisation rates went down which drove it up. I just can't believe that's sustainable. So no. that's the one that scares me, but, you know, it's up in the month of April and it's only down 5.8. But that's probably the one I wouldn't look at. Healthcare, is, I think, is and, and
0: IT, but you have to be really patient on the IT, yeah, I suspect. Yeah. One's healthcare is for the safer person and the IT is for the thrill-seeker. Thanks, Paul. Paul Ricard of The Swiss Report. And that's the show for this week. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget if you want to know more about stocks that you could think widely about Have a look at our Switzer Report. Go to switzerreport.com.au. Thanks for joining us. See you on Thursday.